Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part three and the conclusion of his teaching, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This will be part three in our series, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit, part three. So, in our first session, we showed through a study of the Scriptures that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that is normally subsequent to or after salvation or the born-again experience. In our second session, we showed in the Scriptures that speaking with tongues was and is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in this final session, we're going to delve a little deeper into the subject of speaking with other tongues and talk about why it's so vital to the growth and development of the born-again, spirit-filled believer. Before we go any further, let me preface all that I'm going to say this morning with this. I know that tongues is highly controversial. I know that it has been spoken against. I know that it has been used, and it has been abused. But I'm here to tell you, I've been praying in tongues for 48 years. I can tell you by experience It has led me through a supernatural life as a result. And so some of the things I'm going to talk about today are going to show you why, as weird as it is to you, if you're a born-again believer, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and you need to be praying and speaking with other tongues, okay? So I don't apologize for it, but I'm going to try and be as sensitive as I can as I deliver this. All right. So I want to begin with uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20. In the New King James Version, Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20, New King James Version. Now, this is commonly referred to as the Great Commission that Jesus launched his believers out to preach the gospel into all the world. And I want you to listen as we read through this rendition of the Great Commission, some of the signs that Jesus said would accompany or follow those that believed. You know, plenty of people are believers in the world today. They believe Jesus is Lord. They believe Jesus died for them. They believe Jesus was raised from the dead, but they don't believe anything else beyond that. I call them the unbelieving believers. This is what Jesus said, starting verse 15, Mark 16. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Amen. Don't you love the spirit of Jesus? He begins the list of these signs with two of the most controversial. You're going to cast out devils and you're going to speak with new tongues. All right, let's continue. They will take up serpents. Now, listen, I'm here to tell you, this does not mean you reach into a box of rattlesnakes and lift that snake up as a form of worship. That's a form of foolishness. You know, this is talking about contending with serpents, which are a type of evil spirits. You will contend with them, but you got no business reaching for a rattlesnake and saying that's worship in the Lord. All right. I just wanted to get that out there. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. So people who fuss at me about drinking coffee, this is my faith confession here. They will lay hands on the sick, and they might recover. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover in the days of the apostles. All right, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Which means Jesus meant for these gifts and these supernatural signs to go throughout the church age. And we're still in the church age. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. So in the midst of all these supernatural signs that Jesus talks about, is the gift of tongues. So you could say, and you'd be on good, solid, scriptural grounds saying this, 
that one of the signs accompanying believers and confirming the word that they speak is tongues. Amen. Hallelujah. Crickets on that one. Praise the Lord. All right. I want to talk about five reasons every believer should be speaking in tongues. I'm a little biased because I've been speaking and praying in tongues for 48 years. If you want to talk me out of talking in tongues, you're wasting your time. The better part of my adult life, I've been a prayer in other tongues. And I've seen the supernatural as a result. So the number one thing, speaking in tongues is a gift of God that is available to all spirit-filled believers. So the Apostle Paul felt so strongly about this that he devoted three chapters. Now, we know he didn't write in chapters, but we got it in chapters. Chapter 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13 talks about administering the gifts in love. And chapter 14 talks about the gift of tongues. So an entire body of the letter to the Corinthians was devoted to spiritual gifts, operating in spiritual gifts in love, and really covering in detail what tongues is all about. Now, if you know your history, you know your Bible, you know that the Corinthians, they were like uber tongue talkers. You know, they were out of control. You know, everybody would get up in a service and start talking in tongues at the same time. And that is not decently in an order, Paul says. You've got to do something to control what you're doing. You know, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but 1 Corinthians 14, 39 says, Do not forbid to speak with other tongues. However, do everything decently and in order. There's a way for tongues to come forth, especially in a public assembly, which we're going to get to here in just a minute. Praise the Lord. Have I lost anybody yet? All right, everybody with me. All right, praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 5, in the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 5 in the English Standard Version. I picked this because I think more than any other translation I've read, it lays it out as plainly as any other translation I have read. All right? So let's start at verse 1. Paul says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. All right, let me say that one more time. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, so Paul is saying all of the gifts of the spirit have to be pursued and administered in love if they're going to be effective. Otherwise, you're wasting your time. Amen. And I love the fact and I keep coming back to this, how that chapter 13, which is the love chapter. Most people don't realize it's talking about love when administering the gifts of God. And it's sandwiched right between chapter 12, which is about the gifts, and chapter 14, which is about tongues. So chapter 13 is about love, but it's about love with respect to how you administer the gifts of the Spirit. Everybody follow that? Hallelujah. All right. So all the gifts of the Spirit have to be pursued and administered in love if they're going to be effective. All right. Verse 2 and 3. Very important verses. Everyone listen. Get your faith radar up and listen. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Now, there's a lot in these verses. But I'm going to share some of the things that I think you need to know that are in these verses. First of all, concerning tongues. Number one, when a person prays or worships God in tongues, they're speaking to God, not to man. Number two, generally speaking, no one understands what they're saying. Number three, when a person prays or worships God in tongues, they're praying out the mysteries of God. Secrets that only God knows are being prayed through their spirit by the Holy Spirit within them. God will impart to you as you pray secrets that only He knows. Sometimes you will know them consciously. Most of the time you won't. But isn't it wonderful to know that when you pray in tongues, 
You are praying out the mysteries of God for you, for your family, for your fellow saints, for your nation, for your world. Concerning prophecy, these verses say, Paul says, on the other hand, when a person prophesies, they're speaking to people. And the primary emphasis is encouraging them and building them up. All right, just hang with me. We're going to develop that. Verse 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. King James says edify. So it's not wrong to edify or build yourself up. It's just better in a public setting if you prophesy for the building up of all those around you. Amen? Verse 5, and this is the punchline that I wanted to get to. This is Paul speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is Scripture. This is God's Word to you. And it says, now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Did you hear that? Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. You know, King James says, I would that you spake with other tongues, but rather that you prophesy. King James kind of makes it feel like you have to make a choice. I can either choose tongues or prophecy. You don't have to make a choice. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Amen. Paul makes it clear that if you speak in tongues to a public assembly, it must be interpreted so that it edifies or builds up everyone in the assembly. Amen. So what else can we glean from these first five scriptures? How about this very useful rule of thumb? People get confused about tongues and interpretation when it's needed, when it's not. It's very simple. People make it harder than it really is. Tongues spoken to God in prayer or in worship, privately or corporately, does not need to be interpreted. How many know God understands every tongue, whether it be a tongue of men or angels? He don't need an interpretation. He knows what you're saying. However, tongues spoken to a public assembly, as soon as you stop talking to God in tongues and start talking to people, the Bible says there needs to be an interpretation so they'll know what you're saying. That way, both you and the public assembly can be edified or built up. I know some of you know this, but you need to know it better so that you can share it with people who will combat you concerning tongues. The number two reason every believer needs to be speaking in tongues is this. Speaking in tongues is a divine source of communication that makes powerful prayer and communion with the Father possible. Psalm 42, verse 7, I believe, is an Old Testament type of New Testament praying or worshiping God in tongues. Goes like this. You've probably heard this before. Deep calls unto deep. At the noise of your waterfalls, all your waves and billows have gone over me. Now, billows are crashing waves. You know, you stand on the beach and you see the waves crashing. If you get out there deep enough, they'll crash on your head. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and crashers have gone over me. If you read through Scripture many times, water turbulent water, bubbling springs, rivers of living water, geysers, waterfalls, are all types of the Spirit of God, also the voice of God. John said in Revelation, I heard the voice of the Lord, and it was like the voice of many waters. So waters is a type of praying in the Holy Ghost. And in fact, Jonah, chapter 2, verse 3, y'all know the story of Jonah, 
He was running from the call of God on his life. He was told to go preach to Assyria in Nineveh, and he refused to do so because he was afraid they would repent, and they were an enemy of Israel, and he didn't want them to repent. He wanted them to be judged. So you know the story. He ended up on a ship floating away from the will of God for his life, and he ended up getting thrown overboard. And the Bible says God prepared a great fish. Most people believe it was a whale that was specially prepared by God to swallow him up and take him to the coast where he could get to Nineveh and do what God called him to do. So in the midst of that, think about how this guy felt. He got thrown overboard and then swallowed by a whale, and he's probably at the lowest point in his life, and he happens to quote Psalm 42.7 almost verbatim. He says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows or all your crashers and your waves passed over me. He's crying out to God, and God is telling him, just do what I called you to do. Amen. I believe it's a type of praying in the Holy Ghost, where the deepest part of your heart connects with the deepest part of God's heart, and there's a connection like no other. It's absolutely fantastic. It's absolutely supernatural, and you don't know what you're missing if you're not praying in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14, 14, in the Amplified Classic Version, really lays it out very clearly and shows you what is happening when you pray in the Holy Spirit. By the way, praying in the Holy Spirit is Paul's way of talking about praying in tongues. If you go over there to 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about, I will pray in my known language and I will pray in the Spirit. And he's talking about Praying in tongues. So anytime you see praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in the Spirit in the Scriptures, it's talking about tongues. Listen here what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 in the Amplified Classic. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays. But my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. So one of the things we can learn from this scripture is when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit connects with your human spirit and makes sure that he is praying out the perfect will of God. Amen. I don't know about you, but some of my English prayers don't come out perfect. And so sometimes I lean on tongues because there are times when I need to know how to pray when I don't know how to pray. And i got to lean on a language that I don't understand. And that's the other thing you see here. It is not a mental thing. It is a thing of the heart. Deep calls unto deep. Your mind is not involved. In fact, they have done research at Oral Roberts University. Everybody said, well, that was a Christian university. They also did some research at secular universities. And they found out, they put electrodes on people who prayed with tongues. And they found out when they prayed with tongues, the speech center of their brains was never activated, which is exactly what this scripture is saying. It's not a mind thing. It's a spirit thing, and you can't measure that with a scientific instrument. Whoo, I felt the glory on that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, people say, well, if I don't know what I'm praying, how do I know I'm doing any good? Well, some of it has to be by faith. There's a scripture coming up. That'll set your heart at ease. You know, sometimes you will know what you're saying. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 14 says, let he that prays in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. So there are times when you can say, Lord, I I feel like I need to know what I'm saying this time. So won't you give me the interpretation that has happened to me many, many times over 48 years of praying in the spirit. Romans chapter eight, verse 26 through 28 Again, in the Amplified Classic Version, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 28, in the Amplified Classic Version. This is just chock full of revelation, so just hang on to your hats. In the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit Himself, listen to this, knows our need 
and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Now, there is an interpretation of the classical Greek here in this last phrase. He intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. And it comes out like this. He intercedes on our behalf with words that we cannot articulate in our regular speech. That kind of makes it plain and clear. You, you can't express it in your known language, so you've got to express it in an unknown language, a heavenly language. Amen. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 27 says, When you pray in this way, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes before God on behalf of God's people in accordance with God's will. There it is in the Scripture. I'm not just saying it. It's not just preacher talk. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you are praying God's will for you, for your spouse, your family, your church, your nation, your world. You praying, you could be praying for somebody halfway around the world and you won't know it till you get to the other side and they come up and say, listen, my life was on the line. It was life or death, but you prayed in the Holy Ghost and I was delivered. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, verse 28. Now, this verse, everybody knows, and everybody pulls it right out of context. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. That scripture gets quoted probably more than any other scripture I know. No matter what happens in my life, good or bad, all things work together for good. Well, that's not exactly what is being said there. It's saying if you allow the Holy Spirit to hook up with your spirit and pray out the will of God for your life, all things will then work together for your good. Amen? So don't take it out of its context. Praise the Lord. All right, there's another thing that you can do Praying in the Spirit. And I've been doing it for 48 years. Pray out your destiny by praying in other tongues. Again, I turn to a scripture in Proverbs that I believe is a type, an Old Testament type of praying in the Holy Ghost. Proverbs 20, verse 5. One of my all-time favorite scriptures in the Bible. Proverbs 20, verse 5 in the New King James Version says, Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Some translations say plans and purposes in the heart of man are like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. If you remember. In John chapter two, Jesus turned water into wine. He told the servants to fill the water pots with water. Then he changed water into wine and then he told the servants draw out now. You have got new wine on the inside of you if you're born again, filled with the Spirit, and you can draw on that new wine anytime you want to by praying in the Holy Ghost. And what that does, it takes the plans and purposes of God that were put in your little embryo the minute you were conceived and brings them from your spirit to your conscious mind so you can, you can see it, you can know it, and you can walk it out. You know, you won't find somewhere in the Bible where it says, I want you to start a business in such and such a town. I want you to move to the left coast and start a church out there for the heathens, the granola crowd. You, know. you won't find that in the Bible. You'll find that by praying out the will of God, and the plan of God for your life by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right, number three reason all believers need to be speaking with other tongues. Speaking in tongues is an act of faith that edifies or builds up the believer, spirit, soul, and body. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, in the New King James Version. Jude chapter 1, verse 20, New King James. 
But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So what that says to me that the very act of praying in tongues is an act of faith in and of itself. So when you pray in tongues, you are building up yourself on the faith that you're using to pray in tongues. That word there, building up or edify, comes from a Greek compound, Greek word, oikodomeo. It means build the house. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're building the house that you live in. Spirit, soul, and body. Amen. First Corinthians 14, verse 4, New King James. First Corinthians 14, verse 4, New King James. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. We've already talked about this, but I want you to see that it is that same compound Greek word here. He who speaks in a tongue, oikodomeo himself. He builds up the house that he lives in. But he who prophesies, oikodomeo the church, he builds up the house of God and everybody in it. Amen. Glory to God. Again, it's not wrong to build yourself up. It's not some selfish thing because there will come a time when you can take what's in you and pour it out on people and build them up. Hallelujah. Number four. Number four reason that every believer should be talking in tongues. Tongues is a doorway into the things of the word and into the deep things of the spirit. It's a doorway into the supernatural realm. That's why I lived for 48 years. I have lived a supernatural life because I'm delving into that realm by praying so much in the Holy Ghost. I used to think I was unusual and weird because I pray in the Holy Ghost an hour, two hours, sometimes three hours a day. Now, I don't do that as much because I'm a little bit busier than I was back in the day, but I still pray in the spirit as often as I can, whenever I can, especially at times like this. Listen, when I got up this morning, my heart was grieved because of what was going on in the United States of America. As soon as my feet hit the floor after I got out of the bed, I was praying in tongues, asking God to intervene on behalf of America because I didn't know how to pray. Paul said, when you don't know how to pray the way you're supposed to, you got to lean on the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, I'm praying for America in tongues because I'm so overwhelmed by all of this. I don't even know where to begin to start praying for America. That's where tongues comes in. It's part of living a supernatural life. So when you pray in tongues, let me repeat it. Tongues is a doorway into the things of the word and into the things of the spirit. When you pray in tongues, your understanding of the scriptures will explode. I remember after I got filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible came alive to me. I mean, I'm a teacher, and so some of that is because I was called to teach. I, read, I can read even in my daily devotionals, and, and the Lord will just bombard me with revelation. Verse after verse after verse, things will jump out at me, and I'm like, uh, volume control, please. <laughs> you know, uh, but even everyday believers, born again, filled with the Spirit, you will notice a difference in, in what the Word says to you. Your revelation of the Word will increase. Your understanding of the Word will increase. And you'll go, you know, I've read this Scripture a hundred times, but until I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I never knew what was really being said here. Glory. 1 Corinthians 14, 6, in the King James Version, the authorized version. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, illustrates what I've been talking about. Open doorway into the supernatural, into the word, into revelation. Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying? Or by doctrine. Now this scripture is taken out of context. It's talking about don't be speaking in tongues in a public assembly without interpreting. But one thing you can learn from this scripture is that with tongues comes revelation, knowledge, 
prophecy and doctrine comes supernatural understanding of these things. You know, some people have messed up doctrine. But you know they're born again because they've confessed Christ as Lord. They believe He's raised from the dead. And they got really weird doctrine. But I always say, if you can ever get them baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues, God will straighten out their doctrine. If they sit under the Word and pray in the Holy Ghost, He'll straighten out their doctrine. I'll give you a personal example. Shortly after I was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, I went to North Carolina State to be an engineer. I got to my sophomore year and had an elective that was called physical anthropology. I just thought I would take it to see what it was all about. And it was all about the evolution of man. And it sounded so cool and so scientific and so logical that for a moment, I should say not for a moment, for a few months, I flirted with theistic evolution. I still believed in God. I believe that God used evolution to bring man onto the planet, you know, because of one course. And I remember uh, talking to some of my, my brothers in Christ, and they just looked at me like I was a pariah. Like, evolution! <laughs> you know, but not one of them came to me with a cogent argument for their belief. The Holy Ghost had to show me that I couldn't believe in theistic evolution and believe the Word of God at the same time. I remember the day it happened. I was praying in the Holy Spirit, and the Lord said, Do you believe that Adam and Eve are real persons? I said, Absolutely. He said, Do you believe John 3.16? I said, Absolutely. For whosoever shall believe Christ shall not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that, although I mangled it just now. He said to me, the same Jesus that said that wrote the word of God that talks about Adam and Eve. So you're going to have to be consistent. He is the living word. Amen. The word in your Bible is Jesus come to life in print. Amen. Everybody follow that? The Holy Spirit had to sort me out and thank God I was praying in tongues and that really helped. Amen. Hallelujah. Now I got to get back on track. All right. Praying in tongues is a doorway into the supernatural gifts of the Spirit mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 through 10. I do not have time to teach on this, but let me briefly share what these gifts are. There's word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gifts of healing, gift of faith, working of miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. These are nine gifts that you can begin to operate in when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, spending time praying in the Spirit increases your sensitivity to the Spirit so you can operate more effectively in those gifts. People, when I was a Bible school director, would come to me all the time. How can I operate in word of wisdom and word of knowledge like you do? And I would say, pray in the Holy Ghost like I do. And they would, and they would experience the same thing. Amen. All right. I'm going to share a testimony of the spirit of depression that happened to me in 1997. And this is kind of a combination of the gifts. And I will mention the gifts as we get to it. But in 1997, I had returned from a major wrong turn, taken an assignment in Mississippi that I had no, no business taking. It was totally out of the will of God. Took my my wife and three daughters to Columbus, Mississippi, totally out of the will of God and suffered the consequences until I repented and said, all right, Lord, I need to come back to Louisiana, back to Barksdale Air Force Base where I was flying uh, bombers for the Air Force Reserve. And so when I came back, the wing commander was not keen on the fact that I had left and come back. And he personally, uh, he made it his golden life to see to it that Forrest never succeeded in the 917th wing. He was actively, he was a brigadier general too, and I was just a major. So a major can't really fight too well against a brigadier general. But anyway, I got crossways with him because I returned and he didn't want me returning. He said, you left us. I was going to make you a squadron commander. You left us. Now you're getting nothing. 
you know, you're going down the tubes, you know. So as a result of all that, I began to feel sorry for myself. I began to experience depression. Now, there's only two times in my life where I can positively say, because I'm a positive guy, <laughs> that I got into depression. Once was my sophomore year at NC State, and then the second time was in 1997 in Bossier City, Louisiana, Barksdale Air Force Base. Anyway, it got so bad that it, it was like there was a pall in the atmosphere. There was this, this, this heaviness in the atmosphere that you could almost cut with a knife. And Trish came to me after two or three weeks of this depression that had come on me. She said, honey, this is not like you. We've got three daughters that are looking to you for leadership, and this is not the right leadership to show them. you got to pull yourself out of this. You know, because all she's ever seen of me is Mr. Even Keel. I mean, the world could be going to hell in a handbasket, and Brother Scott can find something positive to say about it. Isn't that right, girls? My youngest says it's obnoxious. Well, I'd rather be obnoxious and be positive than the other way. But something that I have found out in the spirit realm is most every spiritual oppression uh, starts in the flesh. If you indulge the flesh and indulge it long enough, you will open the door to demonic oppression. And that's exactly what I did. I had a pity party. You know what happens with a pity parter? Pity parter. Pity parter. You know what happens with a pity party? You're the only one that shows up. Amen? Anyway, so I was feeling sorry for myself, and I let depression overtake me. And like I said, my wife came to me and said, you got to pull out of this. So one day, I, I'm taking a shower. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank God, through all this, I kept praying in the Holy Ghost. So I'm praying in the Holy Ghost in the shower, and I heard the Lord say this to me. He just arrested me. He said, I want you to cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. I was like, whoa, I know that's in the scripture somewhere, but I just don't know where. So I got out of the shower. I went and looked it up. It is Romans chapter 13, verse 12. This is a very special scripture in my life. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Amen. So God was telling me, you need to fight this darkness that threatens to overtake you. That night, 2 o'clock in the morning, everything happens to me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I asked the Lord one time about it. He said, well, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're sleepy and all the, the affairs of your life have drifted from your consciousness. You're at peace and you can hear me clearly. And I said, well, you know, I am available at other times at 2 o'clock in the morning. But anyway, so at 2 o'clock in the morning, I wake up, I sit up in the bed, and I look at the back of the room, and I saw into the spirit. It's called discerning of spirits. You see into the spirit realm. And there sitting on the back wall with this, was this upside-down whirlwind. He was, he was black. And he was swirling, he was twisting, it was like a little dust devil, except it was black and dark and swirling, about four feet high. And uh, I just looked at that thing, I was like, whoa, that thing looks weird and menacing. And I heard the word of the Lord say to me, how much longer are you going to put up with that? I was like, whoa, this is up to me. I said, Lord, not another second. I pointed to that thing and I said, you foul spirit of darkness and depression, get out of my house in the name of Jesus and never come again. And I woke up, I came out of the spirit, I'm sitting up in the bed. I'm like, man, that was really intense. And I wish I could say to you that the next day it was tiptoe through the tulips for Brother Scott. But you can deal with the spiritual root of a problem and you still have to walk it out by faith. That meant I had to start walking it out by saying this over myself. God loves me. He's got a plan for my life. No matter what has happened, the mistakes I've made, He's got a bright future for me. And I began to say those things over myself. And after about two or three weeks of that, I pulled out of it. And I was back to Mr. Even Keel. And my wife's like, now that's more like it. 
And guess what? All of the things of the vain imaginations that I imagined, all the bad things that were going to happen to me because of this general, you know what? God dealt with him, and I got promoted anyway. I started rising through the ranks again. I got promoted to lieutenant colonel when nobody thought it was humanly possible because God is good. God is good. And it all was revealed to me because I pray in the Holy Ghost. He allowed me to see what was really going on in the spirit. And what I had opened up my arms to was this spirit of oppression. Amen. Hopefully that's uplifting to some of you. All right. Praise the Lord. We're going to wrap it up with John 16, 13, talking about living a supernatural life. John 16, 13 in a King James Version, because it just says it so well. Just says it so well. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. That means if you are tuned into the spirit of God, he will show you things to come about your life, about the life of your family, about your future, about your destiny. I want to share just a few things over the past 30 plus years where I've lived this supernatural life and God has shown me things to come because I am a prayer in the Holy Ghost. 1984, Trish and I were stationed in Corpus Christi. Marcy wasn't even born yet. We had no kids at the time. I'm laying at bed. I'm laying in bed about 2 o'clock in the morning. There it is again. And all of a sudden, my eyes are opened, and I see in the Spirit, and I'm standing on a shoreline somewhere, and I see a 40-foot green wave of water about to crash over me. It was so real that I shot up out of the bed thinking I was going to drown. And when I finally came to myself, I said, Lord, what do I do? What's going on? And I heard him clearly say, there is a typhoon in the Pacific, and you need to pray because many lives are at stake. So I got up, and I prayed in the Holy Ghost. I prayed, Lord, wherever this typhoon is, I pray, Father God, that you would deliver those people that are in harm's way. The next morning I got up, I turned on CNN. Back then, CNN was only about three or four years old. And there it was, typhoon hit South Korea, and they showed a seawall being battered by 40-foot waves. I said, I saw it in the spirit, and God woke me up to pray for those people. Furthermore, there were seven to 800 people that were missing and presumed dead. So guess what I did? I started praying again. You know, sometimes I believe that I, I missed it in not praying enough. I should have prayed through the night. Who knows? You know? But it was my first experience where God called on me to be an intercessor to save people's lives. It was wild. I remember after it was over, I said, Lord, don't not call on me because I didn't fully comply with what you wanted me to do. I I, I want this in my life. All right. Praise the Lord. Back in the early 90s, Trish and I were watching TV. And uh, it was during Desert Storm. And I remember watching an interview with Benjamin Netanyahu. She, she and I were watching the news, and they were inter- interviewing him. And this was when he was a mid-level assistant to the prime minister. No one ever said anything about him running for prime minister of Israel. It was years away. I'm sitting there listening to this guy talk. And I was really impressed with him. And all of a sudden, I heard the Spirit say, he will be the prime minister of Israel. That is his destiny. I turned to Trish and I said, the Lord just told me he's going to be the prime minister of Israel one day. Many years later, it came to pass. Why did I know that? Because I'm a prayer in the Holy Spirit and it gives me access to divine revelation and knowledge. All right. All right, Trish and I were watching the news again. We were watching George W. Bush give a speech in Texas when he was the governor of Texas. This was many years before he had announced his candidacy for presidency of the United States. I just listened to the speech, and I turned to Trish. I said, 
he'll be the next president of the United States. And she's like, how do you know? I said, I just know. Years later, it came to pass. All right. A couple more, and we'll wrap it up. If you can handle it. All right. Three days prior to 9-11-2014, I felt in my spirit that I needed to pray against the enemy's plans to bring destruction to America on the 13th anniversary of 9-11. I just knew in my spirit he would be up to something no good. And so I was praying in the spirit in my study. Prayed in the spirit for at least an hour. And as I prayed in the spirit, I suddenly slipped into English and I, I found myself praying for the protection of U.S. congressmen and senators. I remember praying and saying, Lord, I pray for the protection of our U.S. congressmen and senators. And I don't care whether they're Democrat or Republican. They are Americans and I'm praying for their safety. And as soon as I said those words, I saw a man standing before me. He was a black man dressed in a very nice suit. And I perceived in my spirit that he was a U.S. congressman. I just didn't know which state he represented. And I realized that I needed to pray for that man. This came to me out of left field. Lord, I pray that any bombs fashioned against him would either detonate prematurely or fail to ignite. So then I prayed in tongues for a few more minutes and I felt a release in my spirit and I stopped praying and I went to bed. Three days later, I got up and checked news service that I checked pretty regular on my laptop on 9-11-2014, the very first story I saw was about an attempted firebombing of the offices of Missouri Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, who at that time was the chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus. I was like, what? Woo! Woo! I remember going like that. Woo! Woo! I walked around the room going, whoa, whoa, whoa. According to the FBI's preliminary report, there were two firebombs tossed at the windows of Congressman Cleaver's congressional offices. Both devices failed to penetrate the windows, crashed on the concrete below, and with fuses lit, failed to ignite. The exact words I prayed. How did I know to pray that? Because I was praying in the Holy Ghost and God revealed it to me supernaturally. I got a couple more since we're on a roll here. This happened about seven or eight years ago. I woke up to a night vision of a multi-storied building burning. There was a bridge next to it and a river that crossed under the bridge and in front of this multi-storied building. It was like, you know, Chicago or someplace like that. At least that's what I thought. And it burned the building down to the girders, and the girders were melting and collapsing. And then the fire spread to the bridge, and the girders of the bridge began to collapse. It was so real. I was looking right at it. I got up the next morning, and I checked the news, and there was a video of a fire in L.A., Los Angeles. And I sat there dumbfounded as the video was exactly to every detail what I had seen the night before. Why did God show that to me? Because he wanted me to pray that no one would get hurt or injured or killed. This one will lighten the mood a little bit. How many ever heard of Harper Lee? She wrote To Kill a Mockingbird. I had a dream one night and I'm strolling down the street of some quaint little village, and I looked into a bookstore, which old-style bookstore that had the glass and, you know, the, the books that are mounted on stands, and you can see them from outside, and I saw another book that Harper Lee published that was a sequel to To Kill a Mockingbird. I thought, isn't that interesting? But you know what? 
That book was written over 50 years ago. What are the chances that she would write another book 50 years later? Guess what? She did. And God showed it to me before anybody else knew about it. Now, my only question to the Lord is, what, what was the purpose of showing that to me? You know, sometimes I think like God is just showing off. You know? I, I, I want you to know that I'm going to show you things to come, and every once in a while, I'll throw you a bone like that. I'll end it with this one. This is a testimony of Donald J. Trump. Now, listen, I'm not getting political when I say this. This is what I saw in the Spirit. The Lord told me months before he was the Republican Party nominee that he would win the presidency with just over 300 electoral votes and that George Bush Sr. would not be happy about it. And that's exactly what happened. He won with 306, and everybody said, in the news at least, that George Sr. was not happy because he did not want him to get the nomination. So why did he show me that? I believe to let me know that I needed to pray for Donald J. Trump. Listen, he needs our prayers right now. I don't know where you are politically, but he needs our prayers right now. He is now our president, so we need to pray for him because Scripture demands that we do. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, I hope I have convinced you that you can live a supernatural life if you'll yield to the gift of tongues after you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and it'll be a wild ride, but you'll enjoy every moment of it. All right. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that everyone here would yearn to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let those rivers of living water come out of them. Father God, that they would step into the supernatural by praying in the Holy Ghost. They would be taught the Word, and they would move in the gifts of the Spirit like never before. They would live a supernatural life like God intended. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, The Baptism of the Holy Spirit. If this message has blessed you and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us, and to access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.